Mindy Tate, Executive Director of Franklin Tomorrow, and we're here today for our Front Porch Conversations in front of the front porch of the Hayes House at the park at Harlandsdale Farm. If you haven't been to the park at Harlandsdale Farm on Franklin Road, you've missed 200 acres of nature's beauty in the heart of Franklin. But today, we've got with us Clay Harland and Miss Judy Hayes, and we're gonna talk about this property and this house and the restoration effort that's underway to um, make sure that we don't lose this gem here. And it certainly is a, a gem. But first, it'd probably be good to give some context as to why this place matters to both of you. So Clay, why does this place matter to you? Well, it was um, my grandfather's farm uh, that he and uh, his uncle my great uncle Alec, his brother, uh, purchased over time in, here in Franklin. And then after that, though, more importantly, it was my father's home place. And uh, my dad had a deep love for this farm and taught me the same. I caught the disease early. <laughs> and so uh, it, it just, everything, childhood, heritage, ancestry is tied up here. So have you walked every inch of the 200 acres that are here, do you think? I guarantee you. I fenced it. I've walked it. I've, <laughs> I've cut it. I've done everything. You, right, Judy? We did everything you can think of. I know where everything is buried. Have you ever <laughs> lived on this, to, on, on this property that is now the park? Well, cognitively, I could, I'd <laughs> say no. But that house up there on top of the hill used to be part of the farm. And um, my parents uh, raised their first two children there. And then I was born in 1953 and lived there just a little while. I have uh, Judy's mother-in-law to confirm that because she would babysit me. They dropped me off mm -hmm. here. And she would tell all the bad stories about me as a, as a little baby. So she loved you. <laughs> she did. She spoiled you to death. So yes, right there uh, was my beginning. But ask me if I remember us. <laughs> None of it. <laughs> well, we'll talk about some memories in a minute, but Miss Judy, you have a lot of memories of this house, and speak up just a little bit, but you have a lot of memories of this house because you you loved somebody who did live here, right? My husband was a native here. He was literally born in the house uh, in 1940 and lived here all of his life until I took, took him away to Burwood. <laughs> but uh, I was allowed to be, become a member of the Hayes family and hence the member, I feel like, the Harlan family because of uh, my father-in-law was Harlan Hayes. Uh, he was um, a nephew of um, Clay's uh, granddaddy, Ward Harlan. Uh, Ward Harlan and um, Jim's grandmother were brother and sister, so it was all in the family, and um, I felt like a part from the very beginning. So tell me about the first what this house looked like the first day you drove up here if you have a memory of that and when that was um, it was probably about 1958 uh, Jim and I were dating and uh, Miss Hayes was a superb cook and I was invited out to a Friday night meal and um, this was country bumpkin thought where am I going Harlandsdale and uh, so we drove in and it was it was beautiful and of course it was a superb meal uh, Mr. Hayes was very welcoming, and I found that we had so much in common. He liked to talk about the, the ground and the field, and I was a farmer girl, girl, and Jim and I had showed beef calves together. He is an FFA member and I as a 4-H member. So we had that in common, and 
and uh, it was just a very wonderful evening. So this home was built, Clay, you know a little bit, or y'all know a little bit about when this home was built and the style of it. Yeah, it was built at the turn of the last century, around end of 1800, first of 1900s. It was um, William Farmer's estate. William Farmer had two children, one son named William Farmer and a daughter, her first name slips me, but she married Mr. Uh, Lilly, who owned the Lilly Mills up here in Franklin. And they had this place, but they didn't have this house on it. It was a different uh, setting. And so Mr. Lilly, after he married uh, Miss Farmer, uh, they decided to build this house. And so this is the house they built and, and lived in. And, their, his brother-in-law farmed this area mm -hmm. uh, that, that was about 90 to 100 acres of farm here. So this actual land right here has been nothing but a farm. That's so wonderful. And was it always a horse farm or were there crops as well? Well, the, the William Farmer actually had... What an appropriate name, too. <laughs> <laughs> William Farmer had uh, a stallion that he stood back, back in the 1800s. And um, Dr. McInturf has found, unearthed a picture of that. Of course, Judy has shown me some other uh, documents about this farm. But, uh, yeah, it was cattle, and it was uh, horses, and that's kind of where it, it stayed, except for the man that bought it from the farmers before we had it. It was totally cattle. Totally cattle. Yeah. So Mainly Herefords. Huh? Mainly Herefords. Mainly Herefords, which was big in Tennessee that's at one right. time. Yeah. So... Judy, your husband, late husband Jim, um, was born here. So the style of the house is it Queen Anne? Is it a mixture? What's what's the style of the house? You're asking me. <laughs> I, I would say probably a combination, maybe of Queen Anne and Victorian, mm -hmm. and a little Victorian in there. It's unique in that it has the uh, so much of the transient work and the the gingerbread work inside and the the curved uh, the curved area for the corners. It's unique in, in uh, the beauty and the craftsmanship that was made in this house. And very, as Clay's wife Faye says, right for respiration. It's too beautiful to let anything happen to it. It is too beautiful. And the city did a great job many years ago of purchasing this property to yes. preserve it and stop development occurring. I mean, we're a block, we're a mile and a half from the square, if that. Um, we're three miles from Cool Springs where this would have been a, a really pla a place that was prone for development but the city was able to find <laughs> a way to purchase it with your fam yes. from your family to make sure it didn't happen. Well my father and his uh, brother Tom who were stayed local not the other two uh, didn't have that much interest in it but they would I hate to say it but they would discourage developers from even discussing what and so we had to kind of had to conscious my father in his older years he was quoted in the uh, USA Today about what he thought about developers and I said Dad, please don't say that they're nice people you know they're nice people let's let's be honest they they you know they have to make they a, have a job to do right? yeah they yeah. have to make a living well, they want too to tear right? My farm. no right. they don't yeah. they're just trying to make a living well so how long did Jim's family live here on the farm of Till Mr. Hayes' death in 1980, mm -hmm. and uh, it was—they uh, never thought of going anywhere else. 
that was uh, that was the whole whole thing. This was home. Well, he had a he had purchased a farm in Spring Hill. Right, he purchased a farm in Spring Hill, but it was never intended to move there. No, it was just for use for his his horses and and uh, they cut hay there and, and things like that. But there was no intention of ever moving there. Mm -hmm. uh, it was just something that they lived here. They loved it. Uh, Jim loved it. He used to uh, hunt and fish around and hiked all the area and uh, sh showed his cattle and he just was very happy here. Well, we're so lucky that it is it is pristine and it's beauty and this and what a gateway to the city. Oh, wow. I mean, it is a magnificent gateway. It is everything that Central Park is to New York. It's everything. It is everything. More. It is truly everything. So. We're sitting in, I guess we're sitting in the front yard. Was this the front yard? And, and right. there was a garden. But ex explain how the house was used on a daily basis. Tell, talk to us about the house as it, the house's life. The house was, was a farmer's house. Mr. Hayes got up early. He went to work. And he worked the day. And usually came in at night. And uh, that was pretty much for his reaction and, and action in the house. Uh, Jim was born there. He grew up and went to school there. Um, he s started a, he was a very amateur radio enthusiast and he became very interested in that at 15 and started working at WAGG, go on the station at 15. So his interest in ham radio was um, very appropriate because he had a good signal here. <laughs> so he would sneak around and put antennas up and, uh, and they didn't want him to do anything uh, you know, that was harmful to the house, but he would put little bitty holes in the seals <laughs> of the windows and run his little small antenna wires out. And he got the best signal, and he would talk to all people all over the world with his ham radio on. From right uh, here at Harlandsdale Farm? Right here from Harlandsdale. That bedroom right there. That Right, right. And I, st I have retained one of his first uh, radios and a uh, couple of his mics and things of the early ones to put back in if, if the city would so like to. When, uh, when it's re redone, because so I think that that was part of the lifestyle. So he spent a lot of time radio and, and answered a lot of calls from across the world. Miss Hayes was a very active homemaker. She was um, very active in school things with PTAs, and uh, her cooking was known throughout. She cooked everything and, and uh, uh, provided everything. A worker would come and she'd provide food. She'd take food over to the men working at the farm um, they just knew her as being a good good cook, and wherever she was, there was food around. We always looked forward to seeing You her. did, and <laughs> she looked forward to y'all coming because that was what she delighted in so much. She um, and Julia, who was the wife of Philip Shirley, uh, did did work here uh, from the garden. They would even, when it was hog killing time, they would even um, uh, season and stuff their sausages in the long stockings of the sausage, the sacks. And uh, they would put up uh, all kinds of garden products. And that uh, was right back here. They that had a there. smokehouse. Right. Right. There. After Jim and I married, uh, we, were, we were living, believe it or not, on $10 a week food. And so everything I could find, uh, I got free. And so, <laughs> so I would come over here and pick vegetables. And we would pick, Julia and so I would pick was there a garden? Where was, was the garden? garden? Right, right back over right in there. Back real, real good garden. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we'd pick beans and go in and Miss Hayes would help us shell them and we'd cook the beans and, and go on home. But it was a very active farm life. And they really, uh, she worked hard. She did a lot of knitting and working with her hand, crocheting, 
um, she made beautiful knit dresses. Wow. And uh, I was a benefactor of several. <laughs> Unfortunately, I never thought that I had the body for a knit dress. <laughs> so I was never comfortable in wearing knit dresses. And But one funny one that I'll tell, she gave me one that she insisted I wear to the celebration. So I went to the celebration and we were all there. And it was a night, it was pouring down rain. Just literally pouring rain. And you were not allowed to have umbrellas at the celebration. No. Walking horse celebration in Shevelville. So it, we just sat there in our seat, just drenched. And then we made our way back to the car. Well, the more I walked, the longer the dress got. So it started out just normal, dressly. By the time I got to the car, it was all the way down to the ground. It was more than a tea length. It was an evening dress. Oh, that's well, it was, oh. it was so funny. She was incensed. But secretly, I was very happy because I never did have to wear that dress again. <laughs> <laughs> that is great. That is great. That is and great. And she even carried her food with so, such a delicacy. She would even carry it in picnic baskets to the celebration and share it. Wow. I can remember the tailgating yes. with my grandmother and Miss Hayes, with Marie, uh, I call her, that would have their trunks open. And it was a feast. Oh, my. Oh you, it was just you found her. I mean, it right. Was <laughs> it was always country and biscuits and all everything. fried chicken and everything. And hey, y'all are making me hungry. And one night when it was flooded, <laughs> it flooded so, um, the Dr. Willoughby was with us, and we uh, the water came in just and gushed through the box, and the the picnic basket went floating down, <laughs> and water got in all the basket. Well, I never will forget. Jim was so anxious to retrieve those ham biscuits that he went chasing down to get the ham biscuits and Dr. Willoughby would not let him eat them because he said, no, the water's gotten in them. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that is That's great. Good. That is great. <laughs> so, um, so we're, this property has a, has a certain place in Tennessee history. And, uh, is, and we talk about the celebration, which is the walking horse celebration in Shelbyville. But this property is really at the cradle of the walking horse industry of Tennessee. So give us a little history okay. lesson. Both of you, I'm sure, can do that. In 1935, um, my father, who was that age, was, I think was 10 or 11 years old, he and his brother Tom, rode with my grandfather to Lewisburg, Tennessee, and they met with a former governor. Uh, I cannot recall his name now, but he was involved in Lewisburg politics. But <clears throat> he was... He helped gather a group of people together to identify what was already taking place. You had what was called a, a, a country saddle horse that had three gates. They were a combination between the Union troops and the Southern troops had different types. Some had Pacers and Trotters and some had Morgans and the crossbreeding of that created a horse that you could ride long distances over a lot of land in a smooth way without having to trot. Now, if you've ever ridden a horse that trots, you have to post. post. <laughs> and that is okay for some, but it's no fun for me, you know? And, uh, but anyway, that was- Not as comfortable. He was, he had just moved to Franklin in 35. Mm -hmm. uh, he bought the property up there where it's uh, my, on Miles Manor there. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> At the end, it was a, a country club that had gone under, but he was uh, already, when they lived on Kirkwood Avenue in, in Nashville, his, his children were already riding uh, gated horses. And then there was a friend of his that introduced him to the T 
Tennessee walking horse. So his first horse is made right in front of the old house up there. Uh, no Limit Allen. It was a, a stallion that he bought as a young horse and tried to develop him, and then another one called Goldbond. It was several. He he was the he and his brother Alex uh, were a big part in in starting that whole movement. And even his brother Alex helped build the arena over there at Shelbyville that they're mm -hmm. using now. He was he was instrumental in that. So and Judy can tell you, Harlan Hayes was the grandfather of all knowledge uh, when it came to walking horses and, and their abilities and their heritage and all that. But I gotta take you back just a little bit. Okay. Uh, the man I'm named after is Clay Hart. And uh, he was my great grandfather. I never met him. He died a year before I was born. But he he uh, lived in Gamaya, Kentucky. I was just there this last weekend uh, uh, going on the, down, the, down the river on the canoe. And um, it's purely farm country. It looks a lot like this uh, without all the extra stuff, you know, or the houses that Franklin has. But he was a uh, herdsman who would take flocks or herds or whatever to Carthage, Tennessee from Gamaya, okay. put them on the river, to send them down the Cumberland to wherever on barges or whatever, to wherever they needed to be. So. He knew what a good saddle horse was. And so the type of horses they rode were the type of horses that became Tennessee walking Wow. And so there's, you gotta remember that my grandfather grew up and he was born in 1886. He grew up when there were no cars. And Harlan Hayes, his, 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 uh, his daughter would tell you, they had a mule and a wagon in Gamaliel. Mule and a wagon. And that's the way they got around. It wasn't until they moved here that they were able to buy cars and do that sort of thing. But in, in Gamaya, Kentucky, it is so rural that, you know, they saw horses as a mode of work and transportation and utility, but they they understood animals much better than I think we do today. And their worth and what they were good for. So, anyway, that may have been more than you wanted to get. No, that's okay. That's uh, <laughs> that's Jim's parents story. even had a drive-in wedding. They could <laughs> drive in and horse and buggy, and they didn't get out of the buggy. Wow. That's and amazing. So it was actually a drive-in wedding. <laughs> and Mr. Hayes, uh, which was my grandfather, Harlan Hayes was my grandfather's nephew. Um, I knew if two Southerners talked long enough, y'all figure out how you were related. Oh, right? listen, <laughs> listen, the Hayes and the Harlands, go back to Venus Hayes and his wife, which was Edna Harlan. Um, they were second cousins. So you go put your head around that. You're in a small town. And I went back to the old cemetery this last weekend, kind of had a tour from somebody who's distantly kin. And there was a lot of second cousins because there wasn't anybody else there. <laughs> I mean, you know, oh, I guess you're going to marry her, you know. And so. <laughs> That's great. So, as he said, you know, don't study it too close. But. Um, <laughs> so, the walking horse, Mr. <laughs> Hayes came, Harlan Hayes came from from Kentucky to work here. And, and why was that? Because he was a great horseman, a great farm manager. What brought him? Well, the story goes that. Uh, um, Uncle Wirt, uh, Wirt Harlan, and uh, had come down, and and uh, he and uh, I guess it was his brother, wasn't it, Alex, yeah. had come and they were uh, in business together. Uh, in business, right? And so they were here and had purchased 
uh, part of this or warhead and he saw that he needed someone who could help manage a farm and he had been back to the Mayo area where Mr. Hayes was a, a prominent farmer. He was a good farmer and he raised her cattle there and he came down and I think the story that Jim later wrote in his uh, memoirs were, was the fact that he told his, his people that he wanted to get his, his nephew Harlan Hayes to come down to manage the farm that he uh, was doing things in the farming field much like he liked to have them done. It was well managed and uh, uh, if you knew Mr. Hayes, he knew where everything was and it was all in his head. He could give you <laughs> the name, numbers of all the horses and he didn't have to write things down. Phenomenal. In fact, um, I'll tell you later, but uh, he was given a, a calculator one time for Christmas and he wouldn't use it because he had to check the numbers. He wouldn't trust it and he would trust his own mind. But <laughs> he would, uh, they told him to ask him if he would come down and that's when he s decided the future was here. If he could bring his trusty hand uh, Philip Shirley with him, who was uh, um, a bachelor there, and they came, and Jim was not born yet, Marietta was his sister, and uh, she was like two or three, and Ms. Hayes and Marietta stayed in Kentucky, while Mr. Hayes and Philip Shirley came down, lived in this house, and brought it back up to a, enough of a livable condition for Ms. Hayes to come down, and then later Jim was born here. So this property, as we've said before, is about 200 acres, and there are several barns, but there's the center barn, the main barn, is really, when we talk about the walking horse industry, it's legendary. Very much so. And tell us a little bit about the legend and the story of the main barn, but we're, we're here today to talk about this porch, too. Okay. Uh, the main barn was actually the last barn built on the place. It was. It was owned by the Tennessee Phosphate Company. It used, it started out to be a power plant for the city of Franklin, but soon after that, uh, it, the, you had TVA come in, and so it sat uh, dormant. But it ran the inner, the, the trolley line back and forth to Nashville. The inner urban, the mm -hmm. trolley line. There's still right the road. Mm -hmm. And it was running uh, when they bought the farm. I mean, it was still an active uh, rail system. Anyway, in, in the day um, before Pearl Harbor, they finished that barn. Uh, they they bought that barn as he and his brother bought that land uh, where that is, uh, where it's sitting now. It was just it wasn't that big of a tract. It was just they just didn't own it, and so they bought it from the phosphate company, and they put that barn on it. But it is built like a lot of your barns you see up in Kentucky, the horse barns. And it has a high vaulted ceiling because then hay was a lot, it was loose. Mm. You know, you put it in barns loose. And so you had to have, like the barns back here, you had to have high vaulted ceilings to get the airflow through there. <clears throat> so there were windows at the top. They weren't used much anymore, but they were. They would open up and the ventilation was great. And it sits perfectly uh, east and west, north and south. And the wind always blows through there. And so it's very nice. But the thing that makes it famous is the people and the horses, and that was Midnight Sun, who uh, about two years after they built that barn, uh, became a permanent resident here, and, uh, and Red Laws, who took care of him. And, and never so, left. And never left. And and Red Laws, he, he was his trainer and... He was his, he was his, his groom groomer. and handler, but... And best friend. And best friend. They were inseparable. And stallions are funny. Um, they have to have a sense of consistency and 
you know, you move a stallion too many times, as Mr. Hayes would say, you, you destroy them. They, they kind of get one locale, and you're best off leaving them. It's, I, I don't know what that is in, in nature, but it's, it's just something about them. But he was his caretaker, and he did a wonderful job taking care of them. And, and he, he lived only a short time after, just a matter of months after Midnight Sun died. And Midnight Sun has never left this farm, no, correct? No, he's still here. Never he's will, still hopefully. Here. Yeah. And he will never leave this farm. Um, so Friends of Franklin Parks has kind of really focused on this property for a number of years. Yeah. And great things, great things have happened and that the city made a wonderful investment in purchasing the property. And now Friends of Franklin Parks is in partnership to make sure that what is here isn't lost because we can't we can't build anything else on this property yeah. under the agreement so um the barn is is a funded project in partnership with between the city and friends of franklin parks but this house it's too beautiful for something to happen to it so what's going on right now what are you working on to see this <laughs> uh, stay well we're we're not only working on it, we're heavily invested, aren't we? We are. Thanks to Dr. McIntyre. He, put, he shamed us and guilted us till we, we came up with the, with that's the mud. <laughs> that's why Monty didn't want we to come love here. Monty. To, that's why Monty didn't want to come here today, he right? Want, he was no, we love Monty. He's, I know. He is a stem winder and a salesman, and Judy had him in school. I and, taught him. <laughs> and I taught him here at the farm. So, yeah. But I know what he's capable of. He's a hardworking young man. Yes, he is. It's your organization I'm so proud. That, that they all went through, that graduating class that started friends of Franklin Park but what they're doing here is amazing because of the relationship with the city and able to work uh, in a way that's not offensive but a way that enhances what the city's trying to do I guess I'd say a team the team but we've got the barn funds uh, ready to go and and the city does too and that's just working itself out right now but this house is really the center point for a lot of people that come out here they see that barn but they see this house it's just it's stunning you know we're sitting here in the shade and oh wow it's just in, in the setting can you imagine all the events that you could have here not just musical or weddings but i'm thinking my mother had an art uh, studio here with a, a group of ladies and just you'd see them all out here with their canvases and and just having the greatest of time but I see art, I see music, I see teaching, I see things for underprivileged kids. I just see so many things, right. 4-H and all those things uh, that we've seen through the years. It just screams Southern hospitality. It does. It, does. it really does with the porch and the trees and the beautiful manicured yard and lawn. It's just, it says, I'm ripe for the restoration. And we are, we're believing that it's the thing to do. The city has been wonderful in stabilizing the outside with the roofing and making sure further deterioration didn't happen. But we want to be supportive and ask for everybody's support in trying to, to really restore the, the inside to the appropriate uh, uh, era and to make it where it can be used for various things, such as maybe teas or meetings or things that the city and the friends uh, and the Harlandsdale committee all decide would be appropriate. There's such a variety of things and this community has a need for such locations. But just to have the beauty and the southern hospitality, and it's sort of the the mother of, of this area right in here, uh, of the mother building, and I think it sort of um, would would sort of look over the the farm and say, 
I'm okay with this. This is this is great. I'm proud. Well, we're having a front porch conversation here today, and just think of all the conversations that have occurred on that porch mm-hmm. and the, the parties and the the lunches that were held in the, on this lawn in the future of seeing that come back. It's another aspect of Harlansdale's past and its future. Many of the Camillo relatives would come down to see the Hayses, and they did enjoy having the meals and, and sitting out on the porch. Particularly the men would go to the porch and the women would go to the parlor, <laughs> and uh, they would have their, their evenings because the men wanted to smoke their cigars, right. so they would come out to the porch. But it does have a lot of hospitality, has a lot of memories. And it's just a beautiful thing to restore, a beautiful thing to have. And you all have, the plan is to make it affordable for people to support. I will admit, I have bought a square foot. Good. Thank you very much. And you that was $250 and very reasonable and tax-deductible gift. So how can people get involved and how can they support the restoration of the Hayes House? Well, Friends of Franklin Park uh, can receive your donation right now. I mean, we have it on the website. There's, don't ask me for the technical term of the organization that we collect money through, but it's Snowball or something like that, mm-hmm. uh, PayPal, whatever. But you can give today, but what I'm, I want people to see is they own it. Franklin, the citizens of Franklin own this property now. Through their, it's their tax money that helps restore and build, but whatever they put into it, they're going to reap even more benefit from it, whether it be that barn restored or this house. It'll be theirs to use, theirs to show off to friends who come to visit them in Franklin. Uh, I can remember my wife had all the Girl Scouts in the Middle Tennessee out here uh, on one occasion, and it was they just had so much fun. And I've got pictures of them running all over this place, you know, putting on demonstrations. There was a cabin down there they would use that too. So. You know, it, I can see that again. You know, I can see that again happening. I have the vision for it. Judy has a vision for it, but she's seen it with family. I used to get, come out here and, and eat with Maury, you know. <laughs> and I spent the night in this house. It's, it's, it is an amazing uh, building and walls that big. I mean, it's, you go down the basement, it's stone, big stones that are cut for the foundation. It was well done. We're only limited by our vision. True. We're only limited by our vision. What a great statement. There you go. And, and we're hopefully inspired by our memories, but also the possibilities. Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think that nobody really thought that a little music festival that was going to come here would end up bringing 25,000 people a day. <laughs> They'd be rolling this, over and, right uh, now. That's <laughs> a national acclaim. Yeah, <laughs> national acclaim that we can't pay for. We're very blessed. Yes, we are. And we're very thankful, especially the Harlan family, for making it available, but for the city of Franklin for uh, seeing the wisdom in preserving some of the really most beautiful land in Williamson County and yeah. making it useful to their, their constituents. We are so lucky. It is, what is it, June 15th? today and yesterday if we'd been sitting out here it would have probably been a little less comfortable mm-hmm. but there's a nice breeze and there's some beautiful dogs there today there's some horses on the property today it does feel like we've stepped back in time a little bit it does if we had a little hay to pick up today it'd be even <laughs> we 
really would step back in time. You know, yeah. and that's so it says, there was always life going on here. Always. And right now you see life going on. It's putting the life back in the land. And mm -hmm. I really think that's wonderful, what is being done. And I am so appreciative of the group and for you, Mindy, for coming and Tori and all the people who have really worked hard at getting this, this established. And wouldn't uh, my mother and father, Jim, oh, Mr. Hayes, Hayes. Hayes oh. love the dog park. They would love the dog park. They would be animal lovers. They were. They would just sit here and just probably watch that for They'd hours like we did. That's right. <laughs> yeah, it's so wonderful. And we can't, uh, so friendsoffranklinparks.org is how you can donate. Uh, Friends of Franklin Parks has got great leadership in Toy Barnhill. Absolutely. And She's you go forward and the Harlandsdale Committee and so many other things. We'll have a conversation with her in a couple of months about all the things they've got going on. Right. There's but no amount too small. No, no amount too small, but please What's support the restoration of the Hayes House so we can have more front porch conversations here. Uh -huh. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Clay. Thank, Thank you, Judy. You. Thank you. And we appreciate you and we hope to see you soon. Thank you.